0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Everything That I Know podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Whitley, here with the man, the myth, the legend, the man of many names, but one that really matters, Senior Verde. The best one. That was the best intro. There might be something
1: we need to sample. That was good. Senior. Senior.
0: With a side of chips and guac.
1: <laughs> There's a microphone I'm talking to It's halfway across the room. Hey, everybody. How's it going?
0: It's okay. You don't have your glasses on.
1: That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah. What I was kind of thinking this morning. We're kinda, back. You know, last week in the saddle again. You you became host and asked me everything I knew, which wasn't I a did? lot. But then I was like, well, I probably need to start asking you some questions today. Sweet. So I was thinking, what if we what if we peeled back a layer of the onion? What if we <laughs> have no idea saw a little makes. bit about who the man behind the curtain is? And as Hoss would say. Not as much about the businessman, Senior Verde, but more the family man. Oh, the family what, man. What is it like to be a husband and father in the year 2020?
1: We're going deep. You want to get a drink? <laughs> is it too early? No. Uh, what is it like to be a father? in the era of COVID in the year of 2020. Well, I mean, because think about it. And I remember you...
0: It's difficult. Well, you had a post also too um, during a very controversial time that we've gone through during 2020. Right. Where you attended uh, one of the protests for the George Floyd. Yes. And you took your kids. Yes, I did. So I was like, you did that. Very interesting
1: conversations and the, the smaller they are, the more black and white it is. Not race but right and wrong right 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 from wrong uh good bad it's so black and white so the little guy in the picture was my youngest he's four and a half and uh he said uh I put it in the post he said something like daddy I don't I don't like that bad man that did that bad thing or something right like that. it's just obvious to him it's like this is wrong this is right you don't do that you know and uh One of my sons was at camp that week and didn't get to go. So he just got to watch the videos and see the pictures later. And I had a chat with him about it. And he was like, you know, I think especially for some of the littler ones, they didn't get they weren't in school. So they didn't get to go to school in this herd mentality and talk about it, you know, over and over and over and over. Like we got to go to work or we got to go to wherever we go as adults. So they were kind of their story was the story they got from their families you know, from their older siblings or from who watch the news or from their, uh, we got a little sh- shill going on back here in the background. He's probably the, uh, micromanaging me to see where I'm He's where micromanaging am. for sure. From afar. He's
0: like, <laughs> uh, he doesn't know that I've been up since three thirty this morning working. That's right. And I already put in an eight hour day because you know what I do? I, I follow my examples. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, shill By the way, that's, for those of you who don't know, my real estate partner, Derek, the Shilling <laughs> Shillnanigans. A
0: TikTok dance. If I do one right
1: now, Bust it? Busted. I don't. Have, I don't know. Um, here. We go. <laughs> Derek no. TikTok Shillnanigans. So he cut some stuff for Derek. <laughs> some of that <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> so uh, yeah. anyway, back to the kid stuff. I uh, got to share with my my nine year old son uh independent of the you know the group think and he had some pretty profound things to say about it, but it's just dumb, man, there's just so many dumb people out there doing dumb shit, I just don't get it, you know, and we can go deep, but this is really not the platform for me for that no,
0: for sure, but I guess more so where I wanted to go with it to make sure but we it was challenging controversial um is it can't be the everything that I know podcast unless you are learning something too. Yeah. So what have you learned in 2020 through your kids? <laughs>
1: that I don't work enough. I'm kidding. That, um, <laughs> that you don't work enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that You should drink more. <laughs> yeah. That too. <laughs> I think the number one thing that I learned, I think I've already shared this one time where I talked about being a good dad, bad dad. And, I just kept telling myself over the last couple of years, I'm a terrible father. Kind of jokingly, tongue-in-cheek, I'm a terrible father. Don't follow my example. Although we had good times, you know, it's just there's four of them. It's tough. It's not easy. And then doing what I do, it's not easy anyway. Um, and so, uh, you know, my schedule, I'm out 4 a.m. I'm back at 6 p. so a um, couple hours in the evenings, but all in on the weekends, Right. Never work Saturday or Sunday, unless I'm working around the house with them doing things. But my four-year-old, again, um, he woke up one day and he said, um, Hey, Daddy, today's going to be the best day ever. And I was like, Oh, cool, buddy. That's great. Is it? What are we going to do? He's going to have so much fun, you know, doing his little voice. I said, Great. Well, let's do it. Let's make it the best day ever. So all throughout the day when he would begin to get frustrated or would have a moment where he was about to have a bad experience or create a bad experience, throw a toy or a tantrum or anything like that, I would just pull him aside and whisper in his ear, hey, man, don't forget, today's going to be the best day ever, so we can't do that. And he's like, oh, yeah. And, you know, kind of reined it in and leveled off and went on his business. But the other three that day, uh, spankings, you know, grounding, go to your room, time out, tears, drama uh throughout the day, not all three in a row, but just kind of throughout the day. It was just not the greatest day ever for them, right? They had bad experiences. And so I figured out I was like at the end of the day, um uh, Lincoln, my youngest, had had the best day ever in his opinion, and I was the greatest dad on the face of the earth. The other three? Not so much. I was not the greatest dad that day, right? So what I figured out was like, I'm not a terrible father. I'm a great father, incrementally, and by nature, moment to moment to moment, right? Because there's some really good stuff I feel like I do with my kids. I instill values in them. I teach them work ethic. I teach them respect, you know, and all the things you're supposed to do and that you want for your children, Um, but... You don't get to do that consistently across the board times four times 365 days a year times however many years you have them in your care. You're just not going to do that. There might be a few of you out there that are that great. I applaud you because it's, it's difficult, right? So what I figured out was I'm not a terrible father. I'm a good dad incrementally. And so when one child has a bad day, but the other three had a decent day, a normal day, got to laugh, got to giggle, got to tickle, got to hang out, got to snuggle, It was a great day. I was a good dad. But to that one other child for that one moment, it wasn't a great experience. And so I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. Um, And when that kind of unlocked and that opened up for me, you know, vis-a-vis the littlest one uh, through his experience, it was eye-opening and gave me like a new refreshing start to, okay, cool. I can cultivate these moments moment by moment. Try to finish the day well with them, especially. Um, And there's going to be bad times, period, full stop. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be yelling. What do they say? There's going to be blood or whatever (laughs) that movie quote or something like that. Yeah. Um, And it's like it's just a part of being in a family, being a parent, being a human. You're going to have bad days. Um, and so you got to let those pass and you got to move on to the good days and not let those continually push you down. Cause even though I was joking, it was tongue in cheek. "Ah, I'm a terrible father, right? Even though it was tongue in cheek, it was still kind of, I felt, I kind of felt that way.
0: Yeah. And that's for me, that's kind of how it was too. When I first got into comedy, because you know, I've I've mentioned this before, like I would go places, people would go, Oh, Hey, there's the funny guy. Do something funny. Like I'm not funny. Right. You know, but the problem was I internally started believing that. Mm -hmm. And it was my own subconscious taking over and not having confidence I needed to have. So when I quit saying I'm not funny,
1: I was funny again. Well, it's also teeing yourself up. Like it's a mindset of failure. Continually telling myself I'm a terrible father. Then I never gave myself enough chance to excel in those small moments because like, well, it doesn't matter. It's only five minutes of fun. 5 minutes doesn't cure the 24 hour fuck up, right? But it does. It all adds up. And so it's not a cure, it's a completely different experience. The the flip side, the flip side of this is I figured out and this goes across the board for everybody. I am a different person to each one of my kids. Right? Why? Because they they receive nurturing differently, they receive discipline differently, they receive insight and correction differently. They receive wisdom differently. They receive affection differently. Like, I don't hug the one kid because he doesn't like it, but the other one's like, don't stop hugging me. So I'm a huggy dad to this one. I'm not a huggy dad to that guy. I'm a different person, right? I'm the same me, but there's all these facets that you have to shape. And it's, it, goes to, it goes to say the same thing with relationships, I want to be the same S.E. Green, Senior Verde here behind this microphone that I am behind behind the other side of that door. But that's difficult because you have these relationships and you have different employees that had to be nurtured a different way and brought up a different way and different partners in different circumstances. It's just different. And so I'm not saying we're all, you know, dramatically different. And we have multiple personalities or anything. That's not what I'm saying, but you have different mechanisms and different ways of communicating with different people. I speak to my partners like Derek or Brad or Brian completely differently than I speak to the next level of friends down that tier down one rung, right? It's completely different. Why? Because I have, I have a longer tenure with those people. I, I'm, I'm, diff, I'm just a different version of myself. I'm not fake. I'm genuine, but it's different from, what you see in other places, right? We all are like that. Yeah, you know, we're different. We're completely different. We're alone. When I'm alone, it might be weird. I don't talk very much. I might sing a little bit or whistle, but I, if I'm alone in the office three or four hours, I might not say a word or two or three, right? Like, who am I going to talk to? I don't just sit there and go, Oh, I got to get this done, man. I really got to do. I should call so-and-so like a lot of people talk like when they're alone. I don't do that, but I never shut up when there's somebody in the room. Cause I got a lot to say, maybe that's why. But I I don't know anything about
0: that. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Just realizing, just realizing that that I am four different versions of myself with my own children. How much more versions of me are there out there with everybody else? But they're all me. They're fully me. Yeah, they're just different. You know. Well, how long did it take you to really adapt, and was that hard? It's been during the COVID thing since March. I think that that experience with Lincoln was either. It was either over Christmas or it was back in January. It wasn't very long ago, you know, Mm -hmm. within the last 12 months and probably around. the. I think it was after February or during February, because I'm pretty sure he was already four. Um, And so it was February, March. uh, So that's when I had that kind of epiphany. And then I began to explore that thought process even more and release all that angst of I'm not a great father and kind of say, yeah, I'm cool. I'm good. And you know what happened when I did that? Every time I perform in a way that is subpar to my internal standards of what I want to do, I just do this and I go on. You know, I try to circle back and apologize if I offended somebody or something to my family, the children. I circle back and apologize and love on them and things like that. But at the same time, I'm over it. And I try to encourage them to be over it. Yeah. Because it's those kind of things that you just dwell on and you're like, well, I screwed up. I'm not, the, oh, I'm going to screw up again. It's so bad. No, man, just let it go. Like, let it go. And that mindset and that kind of shift with the kids has trickled over here. And I think I have owned more of my personality and my desires to be more transparent and things like that. Um, As I move forward, not only with this, but just in life in general, you know, there is a time and place for everything. You just don't meet somebody and just transparent. Right. But it's fine. I'm doing it publicly. I'm putting it out there and it's incremental and it's coming along. But at the same time, you can't guard and hide your entire existence because you're just all you're hidden. You're pinned up. And I think that's a that's a problem. It was for me anyway.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, do you feel like it's four different personality
1: types? Do you feel like it's four different uh, gross of maturity? It's definitely not personality types. I think what it is is characteristics and tactics to nurture the relationship with the other party, right? So I have one son that's not super affectionate, and I have one that really won't keep his hands off of you. Well, I have to treat those two into, and they both love. They, I'm not saying one's coarse and doesn't love. It's just a different way of, you know, dealing. Yeah. Um doesn't mean that he doesn't have those moments when he really does want to snuggle, but it's not and maybe it's a, he's gotten a little bit older so it it's a little bit more frequent, but what I'm saying is not to diminish him in any way cuz he's going to watch this someday and think, "That's me." Uh it's just a little, it's, it's a little bit different to where I have to remember, well, he doesn't like me to do that all the time. Right. Yeah. And so I don't want to offend him. I want him to want to be around me. And so I have to adapt my own personality to subdue that affectionate dad part and let him be him and still let him know that I'm there arm's length away. But the other kid, I'm like, come here, you know, and, and all that. And so it's just a little different. And then it's different with three boys and one girl. You have to treat the ladies a little bit differently and treat the men. And sometimes you just got to be harsh or coarse or direct no matter what the gender with my kids anyway. But there is a different tenderness there that has to be adapted and has to be utilized that I don't necessarily use with the boys all the time. Um, not that it's because they're men and they have to be, no, it's not that. It's just, I'm more keenly aware of the tenderness that I should display towards my daughter and I just kind of overlook that sometimes with the boys. So characteristics, right? Character of being more, um, I'm hard on all of them, but more uh, tender and receptive. Plus she's older. So yeah. you treat older kids different from younger kids. You, you have teenage issues, not <clears throat> five-year-old issues, right? Preschool, teenage, big difference. So you, you know, Jack knocked me down on the playground. It's completely different from so-and-so said something about me on social media, Right. So the character that handles this down here is very uh, rudimentary and funny and calm, and over here it's like protector. I'll beat that ass kind of thing. You know, like yeah. what? <laughs> it's completely different. It's so uh, I don't know that it's it's different um, personalities, like you said, as much as it's just these different characteristics that you have to adapt, and especially if they're not natural. You have to grow it. You've got to figure it out. So it's like you're both growing. You're
0: helping them grow. Absolutely. But you're also growing at the same time. I'm like,
1: how do you communicate like like when you when you first have your first teenager, which is my daughter, how do you communicate with a thirteen-year-old buddy? I, I got a I got a problem. And this this friend says this, and his colleague says that, and this guy over here says this. And I kind of take all three of those scenarios. I'm like, okay, let me adapt and move. Like, you know, it's like a battle plan. And so um yeah, you're constantly growing and learning. I've read a ton of books. I've got some books back there that I ordered that I went to eBay to find them because they're out of print for twenty years. But it's still good science and it's still good stuff. I mean, the, the 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 greatest counselors around talk about these books. They're like, Hey, if you can find a copy, you better get one, you know. Well, I hope it's a long time before I have to borrow one of those. <laughs> don't ever
0: get married, don't ever have kids. <laughs>
1: right? and that's our podcast. Yeah. No, kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, that's funny. Um, that and, and I've I've been saying that for a long time, you know, don't ever get married, don't ever have kids. Um you just gotta know you. I'm not regretful. That is not a regretful thing. It's just me saying you've gotta know you, you gotta know what you're capable of, and you really gotta want it because it's an impedance to everything self. Right. The marriage, number one, and then the kids, number two, three, four, five, six, however many you have, is an impedance to what you would like to do. Not something you can't overcome, work through, work with, grab and run with, right? You can definitely mm-hmm. do that, which i think we've done. Um, uh, but it's not as easy. It's a hell of a lot easier to go be an actor in LA and live your dreams if you're solo until you're 40. <laughs> well, you know,
0: and that's a good point because I know we haven't talked about this yet, but in our like kind of break that we had taken, I read, read a really good book and came across this quote, I believe by Marcus Aurelius. That is the impediment Sweet. to action yeah. is the action. Mm. So whatever your obstacle is, that's what you have to tackle in order to get what you want. Mm-hmm. So the obstacle is the way by Ryan holiday was the book. Mm, cool. Really good. Yeah. As I know, like we had talked before, like trying to go back tell a little bit more of your story. So like, <laughs> what about, what from your past has made you into the father that you are now that you feel comfortable sharing? Like, Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of deep stuff there. And I if you go, want to lay down, I, and could, I can get a yeah. pad out.
1: Could I get an eye covering please? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff, man. I mean, I go back to, there's traumatic experiences that I won't go into today as a child. I mean, I, every, I think every kid has some trauma, some drama, some, instance in their family that, you know, is a marker of different things. But, um, I just had a myriad of stuff that, you know, isn't any worse than anybody else. It's my plight. It's my story. Everybody else's is different and it's mine's no more severe, nor is it less severe than the next person, because it's my perception of my background and my history and that kind of stuff. But I think some things specifically that made me, that allowed me to be independent and a little bit more cavalier um, was the fact that my parents were divorced when I was very young. I was probably, I believe I was between the ages of five and seven um, when they split and divorced and all these different things, you know, in one moved in, one moved out, that kind of stuff. Um, I lived in my, my childhood home until I was 16. And then my mother and I, vac- that home was sold and we lived in a different place. Uh, but when I was very, very young, I'm going to say third grade. Um, you know, it's a lot different now than it was back then. We we walked to school uh, or we rode the bus. But a lot of my neighborhood kid friends, we just walked to school. We walked home from school. I'm not miles. I'm not talking about 14 miles uphill both ways in the snow. That's not what I'm saying. But we probably walked two and a half to three miles, maybe even four, uh, from my home to the elementary school. So third, fourth, fifth grade, Man, we walked, and we hung out, and we did the whole you know uh we crossed the railroad tracks, sometimes we'd walk down the tracks as a shortcut and we'd throw rocks and you know chase whatever was in the woods and that kind of stuff on the way to school and on the way home. so I think having that freedom young very young third grade that's nine years old, eight and a half, nine years old, and having the freedom and that um explorative like is that a word explorative having that um freedom to explore and test my own boundaries um, at, at that age was probably pretty good for me and helped to shape some of my go, let's go check this out over here. I'm not afraid to ask the questions, kind of go. Um, but at the same time, the, back, the flip side of that was when I walked home, uh, because my siblings that that did live with us uh, until they were I was the youngest by eight years so it was an empty home I went home to an empty house and uh, I'd flip on the television I'd get a can of wolf brand chili and some swiss cake rolls and I'd sit down and watch scooby-doo and that was my dinner and I was by myself as soon as I was done with that I was out to play and my mother would get home uh, you know in the early evening, six 30, six o'clock, something like that. This, and this is best memory. This is not factual as much as I can stretch. Right. Um, and then on occasion, uh, cause there were two different times when after the divorce, my mother lived in a home with me and then that flipped and my dad lived in the home with me. So it was a complete flip, but I stayed in the house and they s- swapped whatever they were doing in, with their relationship which to me today is still very cloudy. I, I don't, we don't talk about it much. Um, my mother never remarried. So this is from 1978, eight, nine eighty, somewhere in that range. Never remarried. And my father remarried when I was 11. So he's been married for 40 or 37 years, right? So anyway, um, coming home to that empty house and governing myself as a child, um, You know, you couldn't do that today. I don't think that would even be allowed legally. Uh, But I think it might be 12. We might fact check that, but I think it's 12. If you're not 12 or older, it's child abandonment or something like that. (laughs) But anyway, uh, it wasn't back then. Of course, we'd ride around the back of pickup trucks, too, with no uh, seatbelts. Anyway, the... uh, The fact that I did that and then I would go out to play and I would come home in the evening and I would bathe and I would go to bed and my mom would be there or my dad would be there or sometimes my dad would be coming in later. He was a grocery store director. Um, I think just having that experience of independence and self-reliance and isolation. Right. I don't mind being alone. I actually like being alone a lot because you don't have to talk to anybody because I don't have to talk to anybody. Right. (laughs) But I feel like I'm very productive. I'm in my own headspace and I'm able to explore and do things. And sometimes I can get lost in a task no different from organizing paperwork. And I'm in it, man. And then sometimes it's just like, I don't want to organize paperwork. I want to read or I want to do this. And so that independence, again, is me making my choices. So I think having that independence and being able to explore and being a little bit self-reliant gave me tools in my toolbox to be able to set out eventually um, on my path of entrepreneurship. I had my first job when I was 15, and ever since then all I've ever thought about was how can I do this better or how can I do what I need to do and make a living doing that. And there was just little curves along the road but we've talked a little bit about what I've done in the past i mean i've waited tables i've bartended i've picked up beer cans picked up cans i've cut split firewood i've been a carpenter you know i think i sold advertising at one point i was a photographer my very first job at 15 was a photographer uh, never been behind a camera before but it was a really simple task I went to car lots for um, a small like county newspaper. Hang on. Hold on. I want to tell you. And I would go and the car lots would pull. They'd have salesmen pull the cars around and I would take the pictures of the cars at a distinctly visual angle, front bumper, shooting the sides in the front. And then they would pull them back and take the next one. And I just went around to all the car lots um, taking those pictures. That summer I was 15, I think and uh, and winter break and some things like that. But anyway, that was my very first job job. I was 15. And you're like, well, how did you drive at 15? Well, I just did. <laughs> we just did. The, yeah. You had permits and you just did it. But um, the, uh, the ability to adapt and move and think and do um, – you know, I'll go back to that job for a second. You know, we started a media company about a year ago, and it's just starting to really come to life. And it's really meant to, you know, be our own media company to handle all the assets and things that we do creatively for the companies and stuff that we launch uh, and the projects and things. Um, that was a newspaper that I took those pictures for. And we would have to... I actually helped with the typesetting and everything, and we would, we would cut and paste literal... Literal books of icons and images. We would cut out, you know, like 10% off blowout sale, firecracker explosion. Every one of those was a creative in a book, a little flip catalog. We would find the one we wanted to use. We'd cut it out, literally paste it to the page. Like a serial killer used to do. Something like that. (laughs) Then we take the photos and put it there. And from there, those built sheets would go to the printer down the road, our print house, and they would make plates of those. And those plates were what the newspaper was printed from. So my first job technically was in advertising. Nice. you believe that shit? (laughs) Nice. It didn't dawn on me until a couple of months back, a a couple of months after we started. And I was like, wow, my first gig was literally in advertising. It wasn't this kind that we're doing now. It wasn't video or, it, you know, but uh, that was pretty fun and cool. So circling back to your original question, that experience as a child, that independence out of necessity, you know, um, probably steered me down the path of entrepreneurship because I was resilient to my own decisions and how I needed to adapt uh, from an early, early age. What was middle school like for you? <laughs> you have. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, it's that was a very traumatic experience for a thirteen year old boy to go through. And all just came full circle. Yeah, right? And I just got chills. And so I was like, <laughs> people liked it. It's all good. I'm not offended.